To Unplugged, the Mill Usman podcast, your stable for authentic information and unbridled fun. And now, your host. This is Grandmaster Mo. Welcome to Unplugged, the Most Man podcast episode 14. On this episode, we'll be talking about the psychology of rape with my amazing sister and friend, psychologist Aisha Buba, founder of the Sunshine Series Mind Wellness. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. All right. Now, considering the current climate, considering all that is happening right now with the sexual assault discourse, specifically rape trending and how it's been debated, a lot of survivors right now are probably relieving the trauma of what they have faced. How, how can they be helped as of right now? True. I, I completely agree with you. A lot of people are now relieving the trauma of what happened to them because of the recent um, trend and the conversation that has clouded the whole of social media, traditional media on sexual violence. And how do they cope with it? So I, I, I happen to know about people who are relieving this trauma because they have sought counseling. Mm-hmm. And for the past like one week sexual past history of sexual violence has been a recurring issue in their therapy sessions so um how can they be helped ensuring that these kind of services are provided for them to access at any time so a victim of sexual violence should not just have access to counseling and therapy only when it happens to them they should be able to access it at any point in life at any point they think they need it okay yeah all right so is that basically how, you know, psychologists treat rape, uh, treat rape victims? Just through counseling, basically? Um, yes. So when we say counseling therapy, it involves a lot of um, theoretical backgrounds. It, it involves a lot of conceptualization, a lot of techniques, depending on the therapeutic approach. We have different therapy um, therapeutic approaches. We have cognitive behavioral therapy. We have psychodynamic psychotherapy. We have cognitive analytical therapy. So each theoretical background has um, its techniques unique to it. So it depends on what kind of issues are being presented and who the person is and who the therapist is and what they are skilled in. So therapy is actually a lot. And in it, we can also look at um, uh, interpersonal therapy. So maybe we are looking at family therapy or maybe we are looking at couple therapy or group therapy. So yes, that's just the word, but it, it carries a whole lot. Okay. Now, um, there, are, like, for for people that have actually experienced this, that have survived this, victims of uh, sexual violence, there is this thing that some people say to them, like, uh, "Is it not ordinary rape? Who has not been raped? You know, stuff like that has been have been said to them." Some people just experience um, harassment, groping, for instance, and people are like, "Let it go. It happens to everybody." So, I, I would like for you mm-hmm. to tell us what the psychological consequences are of rape on women specifically because they are the ones who it's most prevalent with? Yes, women are predominantly the ones who experience sexual violence. Statistics also shows that, but let's also not leave out men who experience sexual violence and because of our cultural factors, they hardly speak about it. And um, sometimes, yes, victims of sexual violence get um, get judged in such a way that their issues and concerns are trivialized, like it's nothing, it's just rape. But this was a person who was violated, right? Yeah. If it's just rape, the rapist might have well just have kept to themselves and figured any other options for themselves. It's not just rape. Hmm. If it was just rape the victim then should have gone to seek it but they didn't do that they were violated so it's not just rape it's not just um it's not just 
physical touch. There is much more to that. There is what it does to their psyche. There is what it does to their mental health because this goes beyond just being raped. And in a lot of cases, also you you find rape um, with much brutality, right? And rape is, a, is an act of violence. An act of violence, be it just tapping somebody, as as long as it's done with the intention to hurt, it's done with um, a violent intention. It's it's not just rape. Mm. It's not just groping. This is violating the person. This is something that they did not sign up for. Mm. So it goes beyond that. And I think we can if we are use, we we don't use this logic in every other thing in life. It's like somebody who just starts a company and out of the blue. It's just taken away from them. Yeah. You don't just look at it and say it's just a company after you've invested so much in it. it. It's something that you own and it just gets taken away from you. You've been violated. So it's not just rape. It's not what they signed up for. They did not contribute towards that happening to them. So dismissing it and trivializing the impact that it has on the victim is significantly wrong on the part of other people. Yeah. All right then. Now, um, let's get to the, the big one. Now, we, we agree that uh, predominantly women are more likely to get raped. Even the cases that have been reported, much like you noted that um, because of our cultural issues here, men hardly report it. And that's why my questions are coming in form of, you know, women. Mm. Yeah. So I, I want to know mm. why people rape, specifically men rape. I don't know if there's like a statistic or research that has been done. What is the psychology behind rape in its entirety? Um, Of course, there is research. Evolutionary psychologists have done some research to to understand that angle of rape. But I want to also put out a disclaimer. This is not taking entire responsibility for rape. So they are also not saying the rapist tendency to rape is purely psychological. No, okay. it's not purely psychological. Mm-hmm. But they have also tried to understand this from a psychological angle to see if there is something they can understand about um, the psychological factors and surrounding the rapist to see if they can understand something that could help in managing it and curbing the menace in society. And some of these research have also shown that rapists tend to, they can, Rape as a result of learning, so um, it's, it's a it's a learned behavior, maybe from exposure to media, okay. or maybe from exposure to also past history of sexual violence towards them. Uh-huh. It's happened to them so frequently that they turn to learn that kind of behavior, and then they inflict it on other people. It could be learning from peer interaction. It could be learning in different ways that we learn things. So that can also be a factor. Mental illness could be a factor. In this in this situation, it's not saying every mental illness now takes away a person's ability to reason and it be, the person automatically becomes evil. Completely no. But the way they are looking at it here is um, if the person has lost their, their full ability and capacity to comprehend actions and consequences, to be able to make appropriate decisions. So that could be a predisposing factor to them engaging in actions that may be violating for the other person. And personality differences. Obviously, we have different personality types. There are some that are more prone to violent acts than some, so that could also be a motivating factor. There are also other issues like drug and alcohol use, and that's one of the consequences of drug abuse that we tend to fight against because it takes away the ability for the person to 
to reason well, mm. to activate their moral judgment, and they end up engaging in acts that maybe normally, if they were sober, they probably wouldn't even consider doing something like that. And there are different reasons why um, men rape, like um, another research that shows types of rapists. There are some who are disadvantaged men who now decide to rape, so disadvantaged in the sense that they either are unable to maintain intimate relationships or they think they are so ugly that other women don't really attend to them, so they tend to do that to, to just assert their own power, um, um, power influence. Okay. There are specialized rapists who are just, that's what they do. They just enjoy the violent act of raping other women or other people. So it, it just gives them pleasure. That's just who they are. So that's when we now hear cases of serial rapists, raping a child, raping, raping in such a way that it completely doesn't even make any possible human sense. Not that raping it in its entirety makes any kind of sense. And then we have, of course, those um, men who have the tendency to have psychopathic um, traits, so traits that makes them lean towards behaving in ways that are completely off standards of society. And then, yeah, so these are some of the factors that could influence rape, not that they are exhaustive and not that it, it justifies why men rape and says that every rapist has this reason behind, but it was just some bit of, um, data they were able to come up with in research, but there is so much of information out there on why men possibly rape. Um, some verify, some criticize. So with what I've just said, too, there will be another research that criticizes these points. Okay. So, yeah. Hmm. All right. Now, there's this thing. I think I, I tweeted this a couple of days ago uh, on my timeline okay. about how rape um, is about power and dominance and i put up a caveat saying this is to be determined by a psychologist so i don't know is, is, is does that make any sense to you um yes it does make a lot of sense because um some in a lot of times it's been explained that rape is not even about pleasure again it's about the whole power dynamic mm. because if it was about pleasure there is there are so many ways a person can explore gaining that kind of pleasure without violating another person but the whole a rationale behind what they do probably lies in the fact that they are in control and they have overpowered a victim. Hmm. So that power dynamics it definitely makes a lot of sense and it can be a motivating factor because this is you violating another person. This is you asserting power over another person. So that power dynamics is definitely glaring. It's there. Okay. Now, from a psychological point of view, I'd like to hear your opinion about this. And there's this argument currently, or it, it, when whenever this, uh, whenever the rape issue comes up, whenever it resurges, there's always this argument of it's because of the way women are dressing. That is what is triggering some rapists, and then they go ahead to rape people because of how they're dressing. I don't know if there's any psychological backup as to as regards that specifically. I wouldn't say psychological, but I would say social factors. Okay. These are social factors that we tend to attribute to um, rape, and th these social factors may not really hold water in this regard because if somebody is seen. It's because these people are not dressing well. That's why you're a rapist. So let's assume that person, that rapist, is moved to another place where they are dressing is the complete opposite of what he criticized. Chances are he may still end up raping. He may still end up being a rapist there. Mm. So you realize sometimes people just have to hold on to something to justify why certain things happen. Mm. Right? 
So at the end of the day, everything now boils down to choice a lot of times. Because in the same situation where you think somebody is dressing indecently, there are same men out there who have not taken it upon themselves to go about raping people. Mm. And if you say those social factors are the reason, what now explains the one who raped children? Exactly. What now explains the ones who rape men? Right now in the news, we found that um, the National Daily posted up a number of fathers that have raped their daughters in Anambra State during this lockdown. It's amazingly insane, I think, is how I would mm. describe it. Mm. Because this yeah, is, this I saw a, it. Is it. Are you going to say the daughter was dressed in a way that is to seduce her, her father, someone that she's supposed to be feel protected with? Somebody who gave birth to her. How she was you, a baby. He knew her from that thing. Exactly. So how do you justify or how do you even make excuses and say it is because of the way uh, someone is dressed that that happened? If, okay. And this is just another way of victim blaming because a lot of times it's just easier to blame somebody else for somebody else's um, actions. So it's just a way of victim shaming and victim blaming uh, where, where you tend to find reasons why the person could have, anybody could have been raped. So the fact that one particular person was raped does not mean we have to now analyze the characteristics of that person to justify why it happened to them. The focus should be on the perpetrator in that regard, in trying to understand why it happened, not on the victim. Because again, truly, like what we just discussed, what what, what now justifies raping kids, raping men, what justifies that? Yeah. True, because men do indeed get raped. Yeah, they do. All right. Now, I'd like for us to talk about this because it's also an issue that's also being brought up anytime, say, someone comes out to accuse somebody else of rape. Uh, people ask this question, why Why? Do, why are they just speaking out now? Why haven't they spoken out before? So I want to understand it um, now from your area of specialty why most victims never acknowledge what happened they never they never report it as soon as it happens but they wait a specific time it's quite a traumatic experience Mm. for somebody who has been raped and there is no standard level of reaction that every victim of sexual violence should abide by there is nothing like you have to follow step a b c in how you react to it because every individual reacts in different ways, one. And secondly, it's a very strange occurrence to the person, and we have a society everywhere that victim shame. So somebody has been a victim of sexual violence, and instead of thinking about how they heal, they are thinking about how they face the society. How would the society react to it? How would they be criticized? How would they be analyzed? So a lot of times there is already so much trauma from the physical aspects of the event. And then, of course, the emotional aspects of it. So thinking about adding what society now brings, the kind of burden that society adds to what the trauma the person is experiencing. They may feel like it's it's not worth pushing now because it's just so much. So sometimes some people take a while to kind of recover from the shock of the traumatic experience. And some take forever. So like I said, there is no standard. Some people take forever to heal. Some take so much of time. Some find it difficult to express themselves. Some um, worry about other factors that may may end up biting them because of them opening up about the rape. So, so many factors can be the reason why people don't speak up immediately. But one thing I can categorically also say is the society is not very open. It's not supportive of 
victims of sexual violence. A lot of times they get victim shamed, they get, they get guilt tripped, they get accused, they get stigmatized because of the way the culture places so much value on uh, virginity. So it's now a thing of why this is a completely different thing. This person has been stained and this person is not reliable or something. So the way society reacts to victims towards victims of sexual violence doesn't make it easy to speak up, to be very honest and realistic. Mm. Yeah. Now, now you spoke about early on, on, on in the discussion. You you spoke about you know counselling as a, as a treatment for as a form of treatment for rape victims. How important is that? Maybe you could stress it for sexual violence victims. You know, for rape victims, how how important is counselling for their recovery? It, it's very important. It helps them heal. It helps them um, address the trauma, whatever signs and symptoms of the trauma they are experiencing. It also helps guide and support them towards whatever action they decide to take. So if somebody now decides they, they, like they should obviously take legal action against the rapist because a lot of times you find that the rapist is known. It's not random stranger who now vanished into thin air. Mm-hmm. Lots of times the rapists are known people around the victim. So when, when a victim also needs support towards pursuing a legal case against the rapist, they need advice, they need support, they need somebody to be there to, for them. They need somebody who would guide them, be supportive. So it's completely necessary and significantly important. It cannot be overemphasized. From the beginning, the rape case is reported to the point where the person feels like they are okay to move on. And even like I said earlier, in the future, they feel like, um, something is triggering the past trauma, it's okay to also seek therapy because it now helps them heal. It now helps them um, heal whatever is broken in them. It now helps them deal with whatever doubt or, or, or impact it has on their self-esteem and self-confidence in the way that they relate with people, if it's affected. So in everything that has to do with their mental well-being, this is where they heal, this is where they work on all their issues, and this is where they build their resilience to be able to face the future. Oh, all right. yeah. Now, as serious as rape is, the discussion on rape is, you know, we keep talking about people learning and unlearning things, you know, yeah. unlearning rape culture and all of that stuff. Now, there's also one big issue that comes with the fight to try and curb this menace rape, and it is the issue of false rape accusations. I don't know, what in your opinion do you think is the reason why some people decide to falsely accuse other people of rape? Well, false accusation could come from any angle. It could come from um, just being vindictive or for whatever reason try to destroy the other person. And it could be for any kind of reason, honestly. It's all about the individual and what the, what the motivating factor is, what's driving them towards um, taking such a rash action. It's like what drives people to accuse others of um, stealing falsely or accuse somebody of committing a certain crime falsely. What drives people, right? So it all depends on the motivation, the intention behind that. And also when you when you have a system that doesn't follow up rape cases diligently to be able to establish guilt and um, lack of guilt, then it now becomes easier for rapists to get away Mm. And for some people, falsely accused to become scapegoats. So, mm. so many factors can influence false accusations. It all depends on the individual and what's making them do what they do. Okay. 
right. yeah just so that everybody can get a sense of what false accusations do or can cause for people i'd like for you to maybe you know but the, the psychological implications the consequences of false rape ac- uh, allegations on on people well false rape accusation a lot of times it destroys the person in a ways that are more physical hmm. some people end up going to jail some never get out some eventually get out but here you have a person who is probably harboring so much hate and anger and anger can manifest in different ways Anger can come out in different ways. And if you have a situation where somebody goes through that kind of situation and they probably don't even go through the necessary therapy to help them heal, you're not letting the person out in the society with that kind of resentment in them. Hmm. It could be, it could manifest in different ways. They could fall into different you know, vices like substance abuse to cope with whatever negative emotions they are dealing with. Or they could become somebody who becomes aggressive towards others because of their own experience. Now, their person's self-esteem is likely to be affected because they probably have to go through life defending themselves and explaining that they are not a rapist. That's a lot for an individual, mm. right? So, yeah. so many factors could be influenced. They could influence their source of livelihood, their, their, their quality of the, their life because if somebody um is unable to sustain a job or is unable to go back to their studies or something like that. So it has a way of negatively impacting the person which cannot even be overemphasized and it's not in an interesting sight. Especially for the fact that they may come across people that have not been informed that the the, the rape allegation was false. So now they probably still have that rapist tag hmm. hovering around their head. So it's definitely um, something that can influence the mental well-being of a person. In fact, it can even lead them to to depression yeah. or developing anxiety or becoming suicidal. It can get as extreme as that. Oh. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's get back to the survivors now. People, people, you know, react to um, surviving sexual violence differently. Now, how yeah. how can survivors who are having suicidal thoughts be helped? So the first line of action is to refer them immediately to a professional and try as much as possible to have somebody with them 24-7. Try and take away anything around them that they can possibly use to harm themselves and build a positive support network around them. The last thing that person needs is judgment or criticism or motivational talk, trying to be all spiritual on them. It's not easy. It's not some something somebody will just decide overnight they must have thought about it and thought about it and seen no way out so seek professional help for them immediately very very important professional help for them immediately and have somebody around them take away anything they could use to harm them so these are the three things that you can do for them as an individual and then with the professional help they are seeking it will be taken up from there all right yeah now finally before we go you mentioned in your talk how society plays a role and honestly society often perpetrates victim shaming and blaming like you mentioned how important is the society in helping victims live through this type of assault so um the society is very very important in how rape and sexual violence is addressed and eradicated in a society right by seeing it as what it is a crime has been committed against an individual this is not the time to make moral judgments of the victims character or not a crime has been perpetuated so 
when we tend to shift the whole attention to victim shaming and trying to judge the moral character of the victim, it now gives the rapist the confidence to go on doing what they do because they know they get away with it. They know attention is not on them, so they might as well just continue. So when the society stops doing this, it now shifts the whole way sexual violence would be addressed in that society, right? And the whole silence culture where a victim is shamed into silence, where they cannot speak up, it breeds an enabling ground. So when you have a rapist, maybe in an extended family or, or yeah, and then the person rapes one person, and then sees the way society addresses it by victim shaming and criticizing the victim, that rapist is likely going to attack another person. Hmm. We break that cycle by addressing it as it is a crime. It is, that's what it is. When we address it for what it is, we stop stigmatizing. We stop that silence culture where we silence the victim into, into, into oblivion, where they don't talk about what has happened to them. When we break that, we have ended that cycle of the rapist raping and getting away with it. And now it allows the law to take full effect. Because if the law also does what they say they are going to do to a rapist, it serves as a lesson. And also, we need to start talking about these kind of issues. We need to start having these conversations. We need to start educating from childhood kids about these kind of issues. So pretending like they are not happening doesn't really stop them from happening. But when your child is educated, the child knows what um, good touch, bad touch is. The child knows how they should relate with each and every adult in their life. It gives the child an upper hand. Because a lot of times rapists, especially those who attack children, they usually um, threaten them with harm or harming somebody they love. When a child already knows the tactics that rapists use and they know they can confide in their parents or their guardians, it makes a whole lot of difference. So that's where education also plays a role. Education in work environment, in school, nobody gets bullied into silence whilst they are being attacked. Right, so society plays a significant role that cannot be overemphasized in handling sexual violence because when the society allows it, that's when it tries. Mm. But when it does not tolerate it, it's definitely going to go down to the barest minimum. Wow. Well, thank you very much. This this was brilliant. I, I'd like for us to continue talking, but I know you've been stressed. You've been having multiple seminars and webinars and all of that. Um, hopefully. Hopefully, uh, sometime soon we can talk about you know other stuff, or even you know yeah. talk more about this conversation. Let yes. we talk about rape culture and all of that. I'm actually, I'm actually looking at how I can get funding to to start like a national discourse. You know, okay. have, have psychologists, sexual gender based violence advocates, clerics, mm. pa- parents, mm. teachers, some lawmakers. Mm. Have everybody sit mm. on on a panel and have a discussion and see how we can you know move forward with this because as much as now now because of all of the 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 cases that are now prominent it's it's sort of like for a lot of people they're feeling like oh ah, this thing that has been happening since why are they now all of a sudden making noise about it you know some some people don't even know that tapping current is is not a normal thing some people don't know yeah. because of how deep rooted rape culture is. Just a couple of, uh, I think it was, yeah, a couple of days ago still, I saw a video of a woman blaming her two year old for being raped. Wow. Like calling the two year old Ashao for being raped. Wow. 
that that is that is that is what the society has done to the psyche of people like normal people you, yeah. for, for a lot of people after they see that kind of a video they'll be like oh it's yeah. ignorance is this is it, it is ignorance it's not illiteracy it is ignorance she she doesn't know yeah. any better but if we could yeah. get like a national discourse going going I, I feel like we could you know make a lot of difference that is that is actually Definitely. one of the reasons why my podcast is up you know to address some of some of these issues that a lot of people do not want to talk about honestly yeah. I'm not even yeah, going honestly. to lie. I'm not even going to I, lie. I, I remember mm. I remember talking about um talking about some TV cartoons that sort of you know have an undertone of something like this in them. One time uh, mm. at one of the at, at the radio station I started working with, I think I was serving mm. it then, and I was shut down five minutes into the conversation. So I, I understand what conventional media does, how it is being run, and all of that. And I'm so happy for podcasting. Like I can talk yeah. about anything I want to talk about, bring attention to whatever mm. I want to talk about, and and it's, it's just an awesome ride. And I'm really really glad that I could actually have this conversation with you. Um, and yeah. you know. As in my own little way, introduce my listeners uh, to your brilliance, basically, because you are. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I think I, I remember our conversations way back in camp. <laughs> oh my goodness! Like the, the, you, you have a certain way you think about things, and I, I think that's what you know makes you unique from other people. And I'm, I'm just so glad for you, man. Thank you, thank you. Well, this has been super, thank super you. exciting. I, I, I hate that we had to do this via the phone, you know, because of COVID nineteen and all of that. Yeah. I would have preferred we yeah. had like a face to face. We sit in the same place and then have this conversation. But yeah, this, mm. is, this is what we could do. So thank you yeah. very much for being yeah. here. I know you're very busy and you're tired. Very she very sounds very really tired, guys. <laughs> this is not how she normally sounds. She sounds very, very tired. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very yeah much, well we have to do what we have to do the pleasure is mine and also thank you for doing this it's a conversation that needs to be had and um it's long overdue so thank you for reminding us to keep the conversation going and hopefully we see the change that we desire amen <laughs> amen yeah. well, thank you very much for being here make sure you're safe out there right sure sure thank you bye-bye ensure you don't miss out on next episode follow at mo usman underscore on twitter and do turn on those notifications so you don't miss out on anything